I'm convinced that with just about every win or every gain or every goal accomplished in life, there is always some type of loss or setback. Since the Great Recession of 2008, I've thought that not only the economy has bounced back, the economy has shot sky high and almost all the way across the board, things are looking good. The unemployment rate continues to linger very, very low, around 3% in the past five years. The stock market almost as a whole has continued to climb and things are not too bad for individuals like they were about 10 years ago. That's definitely a win, a gain, a large financial goal accomplished for many Americans. But then I saw this newspaper article this last week that said there was a certain group of people that was taking a hit because of the low unemployment rate, and that was the employers. I guess now there are a lot of positions to fill and not enough workers to fill them, especially in the school districts in southern Wisconsin. Some of them are having a hard time finding enough bus drivers. And many restaurants are having enough time or are having a hard time being fully staffed. You see, the win, the gain is that unemployment is low, but for some employers, they're having a hard time finding employees. That happens with just about any goal that you accomplish in life, any victory that you win. You see, it's like a professional athlete who, from the time they're little, decides they want to play a sport for their entire life. They want to be an Olympian. They want to play in the pros. So they dedicate their childhood to that sport, training and practicing. They dedicate their teen years and their young adult years. And at some point, they look back and they realize that they have sacrificed family time or social time. It's like a father or a mother who works really, really hard to get ahead at work, but they realize that in so doing, often they haven't been home as much as they wanted to. With just about every type of win in life, there's some type of loss. And the hard thing that Jesus shares with us this morning is that when we follow him, when we have faith in him, when we dedicate our lives to him, there will be some type of loss. That's what he's getting at here. You see, by the time Luke wrote chapter 14, Jesus did not have just a small handful of followers. He tells us that large crowds were following him. And he wanted these crowds to know exactly what they were signing up for, exactly what they would have to sacrifice if they continued to be his disciples. And he told them right up front. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. 
Those are some of the hardest words of Jesus. In fact, those words express the opposite of just about everything Jesus teaches us. He's the one who teaches us not to hate. He's the one who says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's the one whose word says anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. He equates hate with murder itself, a horrific sin. And in here, why, why instead of saying love your mother and father as yourself, love your spouse as yourself, he says hate these people even as you hate yourself. Why? Why does Jesus say that? Sometimes when there's really, really difficult portions of Scripture that make us scratch our head and think, really, Jesus? What in the world do you mean by that? You just got to read the next sentence, and it makes it a little bit clearer. Because the next sentence out of his mouth, he says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. The Christian cross that Jesus talks about here means that by being his followers, sometimes people will reject Jesus. The Christian cross here means that by being his follower, sometimes people will treat you differently. The Christian cross here means that sometimes even family members will not understand why in the world you are a Christian. And how can Jesus say these words? How does Jesus know this? Yes, Jesus is true God and true man, true God. He knows all things, but as true man who lives in a family, he experienced this firsthand. From a young age, Jesus understood exactly what his mission was on this earth, that he would have to take the sins of mankind upon himself and put them to death on a literal cross. And the other cross that he had to bear was not having his family entirely on board with this. His mother and father did not fully understand who he was and what he came to do. And we learn that his brothers and sisters did not believe in him. How about that for a support system? Jesus' own earthly brothers and sisters did not believe in who he was or what he came to do. So besides bearing a cross and carrying it to the hill that we call Mount Calvary on which he was crucified during his life, he bared the cross, he bore the cross of family rejecting him. When Jesus says, if you are going to follow me and be my disciple and you must hate some family members, you must hate even yourself, he is not saying that we hate their guts. He is not saying that we do not love them. He is not saying that we do not pray for them. What he is saying is we hate the effect that sin and unbelief has on the lives of those in our family who reject Jesus. And when he says that we must hate ourselves, that means hate the impulse inside of us that says stop being a Christian so you can have a more harmonious relationship with these family members that do not believe. 
because sometimes it is hard to have a relationship with your spouse or with your parents or with your children or with your extended family when they do not share the same faith with you. And sometimes it is hard to resist the temptation to cover up your faith when you're around them to keep the peace and to keep things the way that they were. Jesus prepares us for these types of relationships. And again, he tells us two parables when it comes to this, two stories that convey spiritual meanings. It's kind of like this. Let's say you want to build a watchtower on your property and you don't sit down first and calculate the cost of it, estimate it to see if you have enough funds. If you excavate the land and flatten it out, if you pour a foundation but you have no money to finish the project, then you're going to look like a fool. Or let's say you're a king who has an enemy army advancing twice the size of your own. You better know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you can beat them with your own army. Otherwise, you better ask for terms of peace. You have to think about the cost that you will pay if you're going to follow Jesus. And if you are not willing to give up everything to follow him, even relationships that are detrimental to your faith, even allowing others to take your faith, he says you cannot be his disciple. There is nothing more painful than having a family member who has once been in the faith and has begun to stray. I imagine there is nothing more painful as a parent than having children who do not walk in the same faith you raised them in. I imagine it is hard at times to have a spouse who does not believe what you believe. I imagine it is hard to have parents who are aging and ending the, their walk of life on this earth with no faith in him. Jesus is telling us to lead us to follow in their footsteps and not rely on him with all of our hearts. We cannot be his disciple or we lose him. But we will lose life in heaven and we will gain hell itself with all of its agony and all of its torment. And that is why Jesus Jesus kept his mind fixed and dedicated to his heavenly Father's will. That is why Jesus did not allow his family to knock him off his track to the cross. That is why Jesus there at the cross died for all of your sins and mine, that we might gain everything. And what is it that you and I have gained? Scripture says at the cross we have received double from the Lord's hands for all of our sins. What is it that you and I have gained at the cross? Forgiveness so great it can't even be calculated. Jesus says as far as the east is from the west, so far has your transgressions been taken away. What is it that you and I have gained? We have gained peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ we have inheritance with his holy people in the kingdom of light. We have the right to sit on him with his throne. 
And the second death cannot harm us. At the cross that Jesus died on, you and I gain everything. The certainty of forgiveness, the sure and certain hope of eternal life in heaven. And because nobody or nothing on this earth can give that to us except Jesus, do not let anybody take that from you. At times in our lives, we will experience loved ones who stray from the faith and so maybe for a time have lost their salvation. But at Jesus' cross, for them, he has won everything. Sometimes as we join a new congregation, we are welcomed into a new family and we lose some of those nice relationships we had with our actual family members. But Jesus gives us everything at the cross. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have a family member who is strained, if you have a family member who has strayed, Pray that the Holy Spirit would work faith in their hearts because at the cross they gain everything. When they have faith in Him, they gain everything. Whether that faith has been for two seconds at the end of their life or two weeks at the end of their life or two years or 20 years or their entire life. Just a flicker of faith and they gain everything that Christ has won for them on the cross. Because on the cross, you and I and everyone gains everything. Brothers and sisters, may these words of the Apostle Paul be impressed upon your heart and resound in your mind as you leave here this morning. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. God, grant this for each of us, for our family members, and for our friends. Amen.